Hello, Podicumens. This is Brett Maddox. So glad that you are able to join us for this special episode of the Podicesis podcast. This is a recording of our live cast that we did uh, a while back, and uh, we were live on Facebook and on YouTube. And you can go back onto our YouTube channel, and you can find this live cast if you want to watch it. We listened to some voicemails, we read some emails and some other comments, people questions people had about theology and uh, who we who we are as a podcast, and even <laughs> who some of our favorite professional wrestlers are. It was a fun, fun time. We'll definitely be doing the live cast again uh, at, some po- at some point in the future. Uh, so we wanted to put this out there as a special uh, episode of the podcast and hope you enjoy. Uh, please be uh, sure to check in um, in a short while uh, for another episode, a regular episode of the Podakesis podcast, where we will have a special guest, David Watson, um, who is with United Theological Seminary out of Dayton, Ohio, who will be joining us. Until then, enjoy this very special episode, and uh, have a great day. Podicumens, and welcome to a very special live cast of the Podicesis podcast. We hope that you are in having a good day today, and, and as you're prepping up for Halloween and all that's coming up with your kids and with your family and with your neighborhood or whatever it is you're doing in your churches, that you're having a, having a wonderful time. Welcome to this very special episode, this very special live cast episode of the Podicesis podcast. We're celebrating today um, 10, now Jim put 10, 10th anniversary, but it's our episode anniversary. 10 episodes, 10 episodes. Jim, you're going to have to, Jim, you're going to have to unmute yourself, Jim. Jim, you're going to have to unmute yourself. Uh, yes, yes, you're going to have to unmute yourself. Yes, there we go. All right, try that again. Oh, Jim. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I've got, I'm, I'm staffing the thing. So I've got three streams running in my ears. I said, wait, treat us like a team there, Brett. We win together. We lose together. Hey, that's exactly right. <laughs> Absolutely. So everybody, welcome to the Podakesis podcast, a live streamed our very first time doing it. And as always, we're joined by your favorite people, your favorite costume party winners, your favorite, I don't I know, person. Yes, you know. are. It sounded uh, like there was a question mark around that. <laughs> Jim Morrow and <laughs> As Alan you can Kaysen. tell, this is our first live stream. <laughs> we can't go back and, and edit this now, I, know. I guess. Nope. <laughs> anyway, how you guys doing? Doing great. Man, I'm pumped. This is super exciting. I've been looking forward to it all week. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what we're going to do today is we're going to read some emails, uh, some social media comments, and listen to some voicemails that y'all have left for us, just some questions about the Podakesis podcast, or maybe even some theological questions that you may have had uh, from some topics that we've been talking about in our first 10 episodes. And so uh, we're just going to have some fun. Thank you for all of you who have been um, corresponding with us, who have been talking with us uh, via voicemail, via uh, Facebook comments or emailing us or even just 
sending us text uh, throughout our last uh, 10 episodes. This has been an awesome, awesome experience for us. So thank you so much. Before we get into the comments and asking questions, Jim Allen, do y'all have anything you want to add to this discussion? <laughs> you know, we've been 10 episodes in and I'm so grateful for the community of people that's coming around. There's a more listeners than I ever thought we'd get for a fun little pet project. I always thought, hey, look, uh, we have these kinds of discussions anyway. We're just going to record it. Uh, and people are listening along. But it's great to have the community. But I also know, um, I think, that it's been good for us, too. What do you think? Oh, it's been, it's been great for me. Um, I know I think. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, Brett approached us and asked us to be a part of this. So, Brett, thank you. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've all listened to podcasts and we, we think, we probably think to ourselves, oh, that'd be pretty cool to do one of those one time. And, and then this sort of just sort of happened and fell into our laps, at least for Gemini. And um, it's been the best part of my, my week whenever we record, um, not just for, um, me personally, but also spiritually, uh, you know, in, in my, prof in our professions as, as a pastor, uh, it's just been great. That's awesome. And, um, uh, thank you for that, uh, word. I, you know, I, this is a project I've been wanting to do for like 10 years, not necessarily the pod pod, uh, podcast, but a podcast. You were just waiting and for I Alan was, and me. I, it was, that's true. That's absolutely true. I was waiting for the right co-host. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so this has been great for me as well to find that topic, that thing, that, that, that theme for our pot for the podcast, that something that you could be passionate about and talk about. And as Alan said, this has been um, powerful for me as well in getting me to, um, to really focus and to, um, I know that every two weeks I've got to come and I've got to talk about something. I love scripture and talk about Jesus and talk about salvation, but I want to do it well, well, and I want to do it right. And, and, um, and so having to study and read and just kind of stay up on top of my game, it's almost like going, taking a CEU every two weeks, <laughs> trying to just yeah. to, to bone up on uh, what it is. Continuing ed for all of you non-Methodist right. pastors. Right. Uh, you know, having to bone up on what we believe and why it matters. And um, that's been important to me. What about you, Jim? Yeah, I think it's been fantastic for many of the reasons that you've said. One, because we're... It's, I think I used an analogy a while back about, you know, the pro ball players still have to run the court and practice dribbling so that right. they can keep the basics. Well, you know, we get to the point sometimes where, where I have at least, um, the basic questions come up and I want to be sure that I still know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's been, one, I just, it, it's reignited my love for theology, not because... Um, there is a right way and a wrong way to worship God, not because uh, we need to be the uh, theology snobs or the, the theology police, but for this reason, the more that I have dug in with you guys and talked through things and studied, I have found myself in a very visceral spiritual way, mm -hmm. loving God more. Yeah. I mean, absolutely without a doubt. I was studying for one of our episodes, just looking over the question. I wish I could remember precisely which one, three or four episodes ago. And I just had to stop and close my eyes. And I felt as our patron saint, John Wesley would say, <laughs> my heart was strangely warmed. Yeah. It's been seriously though, my spirit's been reignited. And this is a good time in our culture to have your spirit reignited by something of God. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, it's just been great. And you guys are awesome. 
It's super fun. Well, guys, I have rolled up my sleeves, and so I'm ready, Brett. You're ready for this? You ready for this? Let's hit it. All right, so we're going to go with um, a our, an email to start things off. This is from a, a super fan. We'll give her super fan. She's been yes. a, with us from the very beginning. This is Tabitha Kale. Tabitha is actually a member of the church I serve, St. Luke in Columbus, Georgia, and uh, she had this to say. She said, good morning. Um, I first have to say that I love the podcast and profoundly identify as a podocumen. Yes. Yes. Woo! There you go. Absolutely. Um, she says that the content you guys discuss is so important. It's important because there is so much holy discontent in the world right now. Things are just not the way they're supposed to be. I believe that the Holy Spirit uses this discontentment to nudge us to seek him more. I feel sometimes the word Christian is often hollow. When I first became a Christian, if you would have asked me what that really meant, what I believed, I could could not have given you an answer. I knew I had the experience that made and, and made a decision to let Jesus into my heart, but that was the extent of it. I struggled with, if I call myself a Christian, what does that truly mean? It's with spiritual leadership, guidance, relationships, learning, and of course, revelations through the Spirit that I can say I know, or at least I have more knowledge, of the commitment I made 20 years ago. As the prophet Hosea says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. What a powerful wow. scripture. Just on a, uh, wow. I, 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 Tabitha, I just needed to let you know that I wrote that down on my board in my office. Wow. Um, that will be making the dissertation. I just need you to know that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. But perhaps that is part of our problem, as she says today, is people lack knowledge. Uh, we are called to seek knowledge to know him more. And she capitalized know and knowledge. Mm. We are called to grow from drinking spiritual milk and eating spiritual meat. This podcast is spiritual food for me. Christian beliefs matter because without knowing what or why we believe, we can't mature into the people we were created to be. We will be stuck as spiritual infants, just as we want our own children to grow, be healthy and mature. Our Heavenly Father loves us and wants more for his children as well. Blessings, Tabitha Kale. All right, guys, I'm out. Uh, that's uh, all I need to hear, so appreciate it. Yeah, you know, that's first, the end of first the live things cast. first, Tabitha, you are proud to be a pot of human. One of us. One, One of us. us. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I mean, a powerful email, just wow. a reminder. When I came to uh, Alan and Jim with this idea of doing this podcast, one of the things I told them was we were going to be looking at, you know, John Wesley, Wesleyan Thought, classic Christianity, but the key to this was going to be why it matters. Yeah. Why does this matter? And I think Tabitha really just uh, hits the nail on the head with what she has to say to us, uh, kind of the heart, the heartbeat of why we do this project, um, because we do believe that Christian belief and right Christian belief matters. And so uh, thank you, Tabitha, for that for that wonderful yeah, word. What a, what a great way to tell, remind us that this is not a, um, it's not a circular exercise. Like this, our, all of us in conversation in this community together help enforce one another's faith. That's super great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Our next email that came to us is from actually all the way in Metter, Georgia, where everything mm -hmm. is better in Metter. This comes from Mr. Steve Burton, who is, uh, I assume, an, a member of Metter UMC. Is that right, yeah, he's Alan? Member, he's a member of our church and a uh, um, member of my small group. So, awesome. Ooh. Great guy. Awesome. And this is what he has to say. Really good question. 
Hey guys, I have really enjoyed listening to your show, and I've been interested in learning more about theology for quite a while, and I'm very grateful for what you are doing. My question concerns Christianity and politics. Uh, do we really want to talk about this now? Now let's just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, we're live. There's no better <laughs> There's no way going to get back. it. That's right. He says, I know that that seems a bit dicey, but I think a lot about my faith and how that pertains to government. Hmm. We, we all know without naming them the hot button issues where religion and secularism clash when it comes to government. I am of the belief that it is more important for Christians to try to win people over on these issues on a personal level rather than backing a particular politician or being very active in organizing protest or against something, for or against something. I try to put it in terms of give to Caesars what is Caesars, or just let the law be and let's go convert people in our communities. I know that, I know that is, I know that that is not what the passage is actually talking about. That's just the best way I could describe it. I don't know if I'm correct in thinking, though, if this is correct thinking, though. I want to do what God through Scripture wants me to do on all this and on this and all on all issues. I obviously believe that Christians should stand up against the law if and when it infringes on the church's right to worship. I just don't want to misinterpret the Bible or do or not do something I'm, I'm not, I am not supposed to do um, as a Christian. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Nice. Yeah, I think we, I think we have some thoughts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, I think here's the, here's the rub. I mean, Jesus was very political. Yeah. Um, but he was of kingdom politics. Um, uh-huh. and, and he rubbed earthly leaders the wrong way, obviously all the way to the cross. Um, and, and I think the problem, at least for Americans, for us, is that, um, our politics has gotten so intertwined in the church and church intertwined with the politics that, you know, for some people, it's hard to tell, you know, we've to, I mean, to be this or that party is to be a Christian or vice versa. And it's just, it's ugly. It's, it doesn't, um, it's very muddy. And um, uh, I think there are definitely issues that that the Bible speaks about, that Jesus speaks about that um, laws can be changed to affect, you know, um, for us to live out the biblical principles. But um, I think, as Christians, we need to be focused on kingdom politics and, and what, what Christ um, has to say to, that, that God is ultimately in control, um, that God is the king. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know, you guys got anything else on that? I don't know if I'm answering the question or not. No, I, I, I completely agree. In fact, I had a, a really good discussion with a buddy of mine at lunch today about this very issue. Um, I don't I'm not really big on, especially because of the power that a pastor has right. of speaking, right. of, of saying, you've got to vote for this person or vote for that person. Now, I will say I will have those discussions one-on-one with people. I will sit down and say, this is who I'm voting for. If that discussion leads, I do believe that, at, you know, out of the pulpit, I have that responsibility as well to have those really deep conversations um, but you, you know, I, what I don't want to do is put up a barrier when you've got Democrats and Republicans in my church, where um, I shut one group off by something I say, like by um, by endorsing a candidate right. uh, from the pulpit. 
um, there's some pastoral issues there. But I will endorse policies. I will endorse um, uh, things that I believe to be right. For example, I've shared in one uh, podcast episode that um, you know I am pro-life, and I, I my pro-life stance is from you know I, the phrase would be from womb to tomb, but Mm -hmm. it is, you know, I I believe life begins at conception, but I also believe life carries on until the time we die, and that there is, within the Christian worldview, we we have to be caring about life in that entire span. So, you know, I am pro-life, but I'm also, you know, against the death penalty because of that, and Mm. I'm, and, and I, and I'm, and that's just a policy. I also am very for things like better education and 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 different and, and better health care systems and all that kind of stuff but easy uh, foster care systems that are easy to get into to take care of kids who are in the kind of the darkest times of their lives and make an adoption easier and cheaper for families to to get into um, these need to happen because they're pro-life they really are mm. pro-life uh, things and so uh, Alan's c- uh, completely right. I think we as Christians, our first allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Well, I also, yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I also think it's you know, and you just preached on this recently, and I'm preaching on this this coming week. Is Wesley's rules of, of voting, Bring it, and right. and and it's less about really about voting; it's more about how to treat people. Right. And I think well, we we've lost dignity. We've lost how how to um, be um, agreeable in our disagreements. We've lost mm-hmm. how to um, debate without right. calling each other's names. I think right. um, you know it's less important who we vote for and how we vote and, and then how we treat each other, especially those who vote against the way that we would vote. Right. Um, that has more of a um, conversion effect than right. any vote that we cast. Mm. Um, so I think, I think we just got to start treating people better. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> right. not, it's not that, and that's not very political, but, but when we talk about when we're in the middle of the election season, though. at the end of an election season, who knows what, you know, all that that's going to happen, but we just need to treat each other better um, on, on all kinds of issues. I, I would, um, I would completely agree with that. I mean, uh, Steve, he brought up this idea of going into our communities and converting people. This yeah. would be witnessing, bringing people right. to Jesus. I think ultimately Jesus says, if I'm lifted high, I'll draw all people into myself. And so our number one goal is to go lift na- high the name of Jesus. And that is in word and in deed. Indeed. And, <laughs> and <laughs> thank you for throwing me off there, Jim. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, but in word and in deed. And so we need to always ask ourselves, um, you know, how would Jesus handle the situation? And here's the, here's the deal on that. Jesus stood up for what was right. So even when John Wesley and his advice on voting, when he says, you know, you vote for who you feel to be most worthy and you don't speak evil, that's a, of, the, uh, of a candidate who you're not voting for. Mm-hmm. Wesley and Jesus, and I will, you know, Wesley taking this from Jesus, they wouldn't say you become a doormat and you just have to accept everything. No, you stand up for what you believe is right. In 1774, yeah. uh, what was on the uh, ballot, so those days, what they were dealing with was, was slavery and the empire. And you know that was a hotly contentious debate that was going on there. So, you, so Wesley was against slavery, adamantly abolitionist, um, his and, and, and called his followers to be abolitionists and fought for it and fought for it and fought for it. But at the end of the day, he was also going to love his neighbor as himself. Yeah. Well, and also 1774, not everybody had the right to vote. 
Um, right. There were very few many people, very few people who had the right to vote. Nowadays, we all have the right to vote. And so it's something we should absolutely partake in. in, right. in these. Uh, yeah. Um, well, so. and, and another part of this too is um, there is a sense where what is done, for example, in our country, state, or municipality is done in our name. Mm. So there are people who feel, uh, well, I think we all feel very strongly what is done uh, by our government. Um, in some way, we would all like that to reflect our values. And so I think as a Christ follower, it, it's incumbent on us to decide um, where, one, can I speak my voice when I have the opportunity to speak voice, say in vote, or in um, our First Amendment right to share our thoughts and grievances, um, to share that. Um, it also, I think, is important to... Um, not be afraid, like Brett said, to to speak when needs to be spoken, because a lot of times the law is a big mechanism. The country is a big 50,000 foot situation. And when there's something that's happening to somebody next to us that is mm. overlooked, that needs to be addressed, um, there it is, in, I would say, incumbent on, on us to help and to see if we could remedy that. I think our, our baptismal vows uh, in the United Methodist Church talk about rejecting evil uh, in whatever forms it presents itself. And so that makes seeking to make sure that we have the opportunity to speak uh, and to work in those bigger spheres. That's right. Um, and so, you know, some people are very, very moved um, to speak politically or to use their vote to, for their conscience. And I think that's a good thing. And the caution that I would have is twofold. One, um, not over-identifying with policy to the exclusion of your own uh, Christian witness to the people next to you. Yeah. Um, it would be wonderful for you to uh, vote for this, that, or the other, to vote for uh, money for people impoverished, um, but you better go out and help the poor. You see what I'm saying? So let yeah. your policy come down to your own bones. Um, and then remember the scripture says, put no trust in princes. Um and that takes us right back to lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Our, our political figures um, and our political parties, uh, I'm going to be honest, uh, it seems more and more they take on a messianic quality just to break through the noise. And we got to be real careful about that. I don't know if that helps Steve at all, but those are my additional political thoughts. Well, now that we got all that out of the way. <laughs> well, and one last thing on that. If, it, you know, I do think more and more, um, that we as Christians need to be exiles, feel like we're exiles in a political landscape. And what I mean by that is we may vote for one party over another, you know, that is what it is. But it, it shouldn't, I think there should always be that tension, even if we're voting with a party we more most identify with. I think if we're being honest to who the Lord is calling us to be and what we're supposed to do, we're going to feel that tension even in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I think a healthy place for Christians to be is almost feel like you're in a no man's land in mm -hmm. a, because that is part of the clash of kingdoms that we have yeah. in the already and the not yet. We are, yeah. we're, we're ultimately citizens of God's kingdom that are here in this kind of not yet reality. And, yeah. uh, and preach, so, come yeah. on, preach. Brett. Hey, look, we got a live stream comment. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, Jeremy said, I'm an all in pot of human here. So thank you, Jeremy, man. We love that. <laughs> Hey, Luke, we'll hear from Luke a little later, but he has a comment on this topic. He said, really, it is about yeah. humility. In a, because, um, that, hold on, I think, 
I think I've got uh, some sounds going on. He said, it's really about me. humility. I consider other people as more valuable than my opinion or less valuable. That's a great mm. comment, Luke, man. You keep bringing the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That sound was me. I hit a button. And so uh, <laughs> my, our, our producer, our intrepid producer, producer took the day off. So we're having to run this all um, in-house. And so, uh, all right. Well, um, hey, we got some voicemail. Ooh, voicemail. Ooh, yes. We've got voicemail. Y'all remember Blue's Clue? We've got mail. Anyway, stop or we'll have to pay royalties. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Oh, it's just very short. Two <laughs> seconds. All right. So um, another uh, potacumen who's been with us from the very beginning. Oh, yes. Um, I'm having to. Well, My well, mom. Well. <laughs> um, nice play. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know really what to do with that comment. So I was trying to move. <laughs> oh, on. come on. So um, is Allison, Allison Lindsay, another, Hey, uh, she's a super fan. I'll put her up there as super fan. So oh, yeah, uh, as super fan. Didn't she, she win our book? Didn't she? Well, was the, our, our book, but didn't she? Oh yeah. She won the book. Yeah. Yes. There you go. She won. Uh, she won the, the inaugural Potokesis book giveaway that we haven't done again. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, all right. Allison's got a great question. So let me see what happens when I, push play here. Hey guys, this is Allison Lindsay and my podcast uh, listening has evolved quite a bit. I started out with you guys in the very beginning walking, but after the first episode and listening while I was walking, there were so many great nuggets that I wanted to write down. So I had to stop. And so now I've actually ordered a single column Bible and then I won the Wesley revision of the shorter catechism book on your podcast. And so with those two tools, I've actually kind of started a podocusis project um, in that I'm journaling in that Bible. And so what I'm curious about, um, you guys all bring a great different perspective and um, application to the different questions and the scriptures that you're wrestling with. And so for someone who wants to dig a little bit deeper and wrestle some more, what are some of your, each of your favorite resources um, as you dig deeper into the scriptures and, and into the doctrine. So thanks so much for all you're doing and keeping it relevant and applicable. And um, I look forward to keeping on journeying with you. Thank you so much. Bye. That is so awesome. What a great, what a great, she started That's a awesome. project because Love of Allison. us. <laughs> Woo. Um, I'll start first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to show this or not. Oh, that's good. Oh, so, that is good. I don't know if you can see. Let me see if I can. All right. There we go. Wesley One Volume Commentary. Um, this is relatively new. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, it's got the whole Bible in it. And um, it's just it's a purely Wesleyan perspective. And it weaves in Wesley's uh, um, sermons and journals and different things like that. It's a super like um, um, it's not like the deepest commentary you're ever going to find, but it gives you nuggets on the scriptures from a Wesleyan perspective. So uh, super great. It gets my mind going um, when I'm preparing sermons and so forth. So bam, there's mine. Hey, by the way, uh, Brian, uh, Dr. Brian Russell, who um, I would also put him as a super fan because he was our first guest that we had on. (laughs) And uh, we're going to make him one of you. Yeah. yeah. So um, he, uh, I reached out to him about, uh, you know, who are some possible guests that we could, we should have on the podcast. And uh, he said that the editor of that, of that would be in a fantastic. Kenneth Collins or Robert? (gasps) 
uh, the Robert guy, the Robert. Don't Robert, Robert Wall. Mulholland. Robert Wall. Wall. Robert. Yeah. Ooh, don't get my hopes up. These guys are fantastic. Yeah. So he said he would be a fantastic. Uh, All right, you hear that, Robert? So anyway. So anyway, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I know, I know you're, you're listening, listening. Know you're on the listening. International Space Station, <laughs> all the way in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> so, What's your favorite uh, resources, Brett? So for me, um, uh, my favorite resources have been uh, when it comes purely to theology, this type of stuff. Um, I really like um, the absolute basics stuff. I think that's been a really solid absolute basics of the Christian faith. Uh, by um, by uh, uh, Phil Talon and uh, Absolute Basics of the Wesleyan Way, which is coming out very, very soon um, on Seedbed uh, by Phil Talon and Justice Hunter, who we had on uh, not yeah. too long ago. Yeah. Uh, so those are really solid. But the one that I go to all the time that the I'm just wearing the pages out of it is Thomas Oden's Systematics. Um, it originally was a three-volume set. Um, but now has been compiled into a one-volume set called Classic Christianity. So you can just look it all up on Amazon. I've got links to it on the website, podakesis.com, and you can find it, but it's called Classic Christianity. And what I love about Thomas Oden is he really has the heart of John Wesley when he's putting this theological reference together. Uh, right. Wesley was all about uh, primitive, what he called primitive Christianity, which was the ancient church, and the Reformation. Uh, Wesley was a man of the Reformation, so he believed in the pillars of the Reformation, sola scriptura, and and salvation by great uh, by faith through uh, by grace through faith alone, and um, and priesthood of all believers, and all those just great foundational things that make us Protestants and and who we are, which go back to this what Wesley called primitive Christianity. And so what um, what Odin did was he took what's called the seven ecumenical councils of the church, which is basically the theological framework or foundations that were laid out in the first about 600 years of the church. And he used those as a framework to build a systematic theology, a, a, a way of looking at uh, uh, interpreting scripture to answer questions about um, uh, who we are, what our what our goal is in life, what we're supposed to do, what is right belief, what is right belief, and so, and why and why it matters. And there's a lot. Uh, Odin would say in um, his forward of those uh, systematics, he would say uh, of those volumes, he would say that he he's not attempting to do anything new. He's yeah. wanting to bring. Um, to bring the ancient church to the modern era. So um, that's the one I go to. I mean, every sermon I preach, every Bible study I teach, I'm always looking at Odin's material um, because it's a way to keep, make sure I'm staying within the, 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 the fence, if you will, of, of what, where I'm, of the yard I can play in. Yeah, I'm actually uh, doing a reread of that right now. It's fantastic. So I second that. Um, I would say a uh, couple simple ones. Uh, if Take a look at your Wesley study Bible as well. Mm. Uh, those have mm -hmm. great study notes. Those are fantastic. What I like to do it, when I'm reading the Bible is uh, maybe if I'm doing a read through a book is I want to take a look at the big picture. There's a great resource out right now in the Bibleproject.com. Yeah. The Bible project yeah. is fantastic. You can get the video overviews with great illustrations. It feels like the absolute basic style. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved it so much. And I did my last read through through the prophets mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year. And uh, before I started, I would go and I'd watch that video just to kind of orient myself on where I am and what all that stuff is. Um, another thing you can do, uh, Allison, if you're particularly interested in looking at the material we're looking at, 
the Westminster Larger Catechism yep. has, uh, it's not revised by Wesley, but we trust you. Um, <laughs> it has, um, is it more verbose answers and a few more scripture proofs. So you can just Google that. Um, I'm all about people writing in their Bibles. I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, David Watson, who is a future guest, I'm going to talk about that in, uh-huh. in a little bit, um, has a great uh, book. It's called Key United Methodist Beliefs. But really, uh, yeah. but really, it's not United Methodist uh, particular. It's Wesleyan. actually Wesleyan, generally yeah. Wesleyan and, and, and Orthodox Christianity. Um, the reason it says key United Methodist beliefs is that it was published by Abding, Abingdon Press, and mm. they they made him put that title on there. It's a whole yeah. press, it's a whole publishing house thing. So, but that's a really good one that relies that that teaches kind of some basics in a uh, very easy and accessible manner. Hey, we've got several several people watching us online. If you are watching us, Facebook and YouTube, just comment. Let us yes. know where you're. Yeah, where absolutely. Are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give you we a shout out. Luke keeps popping up. He loves the Bible project. He it looks, sounds like he uses it maybe in his ministry. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Oh, cool. Allison, Allison popped on YouTube um, right as we were answering. Thanks, guys. Made a list of these resources. And I do always pay attention to the expanded show notes. Show Boom. notes. Boom. I don't know how that became a thing. It's the nerdiest thing, but that's our thing. <laughs> I just want to know where the bingo cards are. Everyone was talking no, about these bingo no, don't, cards. Don't where are the pressure. bingo? They love it. They love it. Hey, Scott Tucker <laughs> just popped up. Hey, we got a hundred more Tucker. questions. We got a hundred more questions. Oh, we can get a bingo card by then. Yeah, Ben Gosden. <laughs> hey, I'm Ben. I live in Savannah. Enjoying the discussion. Hey, Ben. Hey, what's up, hey, ben? ben? What's up, Scott? Awesome. Hey, we got another question coming in. Uh, Jonathan, this one was Jonathan. Jonathan. <laughs> Jeremy Cole, who's actually yeah. listening right now. Uh, he actually is a friend of mine from way back. He is a youth minister in St. Mary's, Georgia. Really a wonderful guy. He sent in this question. Take a listen. He said, given the overwhelming humanitarian nature of the social justice section of the Book of Discipline, that is of the United Methodist Church, yeah. what is our charge as United Methodists and how we should faithfully respond to the current issues in 2020, like Black Lives Matter, immigration, single family parent, uh, single parent family struggling to make ends meet and the environment. Mm. Thanks, Jeremy. You can give us your answer in the, um, <laughs> <Comments>. <laughs> <laughs> um before oh. we, before we try to tackle that question, I also want to give a shout out to Michael Hard Michael Hargrove, who's a, yeah. a church member here. Uh, he, he and his wife and uh, three kids just moved to Italy. He's in the military. And so, um, he's we, in Italy. So we got someone watching from Italy. Going international. International. international, baby. <laughs> okay. So for those of you who aren't familiar, the social, uh, the social principles, uh, in the book of discipline of the United Methodist church, they are, uh, prayerful, uh, ways that the general conference of our church has put forward statements that we might engage the world around us. And it's built, it's got a ton of different categories. And the way that those things are worded changes over time. And the purpose of that is to kind of live into the Christian tradition, but also the Wesleyan emphasis that our faith needs to be worked out and lived in the world. So it talks about things like the environment and um, life and social issues and racial equality, uh, families, uh, things of that nature. So it, it is a solid resource uh, to look at 
current theological understandings of the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. I think it's safe to say that not every United Methodist agrees with every statement in the social principles. Right. Um, but again, the social principles will say in there in the beginning that just to remind us that they're not law, they're, they are the agreed exercise for how we are engaging our theology. There's a lot of great work in there. And one of the things that I love about having social principles in general is it reminds us that church doesn't just exist between the four walls and my heart and Jesus. Um, that as James would tell us in the Bible, um, you know, you say you have faith, I'll show you my works and you'll know my faith, but faith without works is dead. We have to right. live it. Even John Wesley back when he started his first Holy club, small groups, one of the things that they held each other accountable for was to go visit in the prisons and to give alms to the poor. So right. how does that uh, affect some of the issues you brought up today? And uh, Jeremy just brought right out some hot topics. Yeah, I think for me, it is exactly what you just said. I think the social principles for me, without getting specific into them, help me remember that the church itself, the mission of the church, is not confined to the four walls of any physical church there is. I, I think about Wesley, and let's talk about abolition of slavery, for example. Um, the abolitionist movement in, in, in England had such a following by Wesleyans and by Christians. They were the ones who were pushing for it and pushing for it and pushing for it. Uh, you, should, you should look up um, a guy named Will, William Wilberforce, who's oh, this, yeah. who's, who's, who was Methodist through and through, who took what he believed from Scripture itself, from the Bible itself, to, 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 to go and to really fight for abolition of slavery in the British Empire. So this, it becomes a, 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 a piece of, of who we are, as James, the book of James tells us, um, that um, we are to love God with all our hearts, minds, soul, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And loving neighbor means that we have to get out there and do the hard stuff. We can't just be tied to certain ideologies. We've got to be tied to the ideology, to the teachings, to the to the principles of the kingdom of God itself and how we go out and reach out in concern in this world. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are sick. There are people who are dying. There is there there are there are things going on in this world, and the church has a voice, a prophetic voice, to speak out against um, the evils in this world, to go do what needs to do uh, for God's kingdom, for, for the love of God and for the love of neighbor. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I know for me, as long as I'm, as long as, as long as I'm doing what the great commandment itself says, like to love God and to love neighbor is not something that can be done passively. Exactly. I wholeheartedly believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that the love of God and the love of neighbor is not something we can do while sitting on our hands. We have to, um, we have to be willing to go and do the hard things, to be with the people who are hurting because what you're doing when you do that, you're opening up a door to be able to share the love of God with them. Yeah. God's love is for all people, no matter, no matter what. And so we are charged with going to them and taking that love to them, no matter what is happening um, in the world around us. That's just really our, our marching orders. Allison just made a comment reminding us that the movie Amazing Grace about William Wilberforce is is a good is a good oh yeah yeah it's a great Absolutely. movie so, yeah yeah great movie so yeah that that so the, those social principles but those social principles 
Uh, but it's more than that. I mean, we, you know, I've always said we should, we in the church shouldn't need social principles to remind us yeah. of our mission, of our purpose, because it's written right there in scripture, uh, what we're supposed to do, go make disciples and love God and love neighbor as ourselves. So, I mean, yeah. Well, one of the values is, um, that it does give us a sense of at least consensus for the moment and remind us that our faith comes to bear on issues that we might not normally think about. Like, for example, one of the first sections is on the environment Mm -hmm. and people will hear that and they'll think about, you know, hippies and, you know, other climate folks and maybe dismiss that. But if you'll remember that in Genesis one, God gave humanity stewardship over the earth. Right. And so that section that we might not normally think about, you know, that's the great thing about reading in general is it will put your eyes on things that you are not naturally inclined to think about and to, to kind of exegete for our moment, what it means to be stewards of our environment. And that means uh, if you just look and I have it open now, you just look at it, it talks about uh, taking care of uh, what we have and, um, stewarding our environment and things of that nature. Um, Jeremy, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to skirt the hard stuff that you've mentioned up. Uh, Alan, before I, before I kind of take the plunge on that, do you have any thoughts on this? No, I'm good. You guys, you guys are. (laughs) (laughs) So you you mentioned in your question, you talked about race relations um, and that's been a hot topic throughout. Um, And if you look at paragraph 162 of the book of discipline, number 120, I'll just read a quick, uh, quick, quick section. Um, we command and encourage the self-awareness of all racial and ethnic groups and oppressed people that leads them to demand just and equal rights as members of the society. We assert the obligation of society and people within the society to implement uh, programs and redress long-standing systematic social deprivation of racial and ethnic persons, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a whole list that talks about uh, things of that nature. Um, United Methodists are people who are in the midst of the society. Um, now, Wesleyan Christians in general, I think, would be that way, and I think Christians That's in true. general would be that yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, the reality is there are differences in the way that people understand the Christian approach to those things. Uh, one of the biggest uh, differences is the people who would, um, two major groups are people who would look at it at a macro level and want the society to fix, and those who want to do it at a personal level and let individuals fix. And, and that's just a big gap that sometimes leads people to disagree. Um, one of the things, if you wanted to talk more recently about the Black Lives Matter movement, um, one of the things that has made that difficult is to jump back to our politics discussion. Um, whereas in uh, people who want to take part in helping um, to ensure the just treatment and living of those uh, of black, pe- black people, white people, Chinese people, et cetera, um, of different races, uh, better to say, it's hard to say that now because the statement has taken on an agenda. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, it's now hard to say something like, well, I would believe that Black Lives Matter because now it's attached to uh, a political situation. Um, so it takes away the power of people being able to stand up for their African-American brothers and sisters and to stand with and to learn from them. Um, but I would say, Jeremy, to answer your question, um, you mentioned in a conversation earlier with Jeremy, he mentioned that some United Methodists would be surprised if they actually read the Book of Discipline, and they might be. Um, but all in all, I think the big picture call for us is to engage uh, and not be entirely uh, Jesus in my heart only Christians that 
we have a voice as Christians in remaking the world. Now, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with even how I've characterized that, but we at the Podakesis podcast want you to know that that's okay too. Mm-hmm. As, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, here's the thing about this. We're all growing in this, right? We're mm-hmm. all learning from this. And I, I'm a big believer that if you're in scripture, if you're, um, if you're, if you have a, a prayer life, if you have a devotional life, and you're asking the questions of how can how can Jesus how can Scripture guide me? That's the right way of looking at this. That's kind of the the the, the base level uh, of of looking at this. So mm-hmm. um, as how can Scripture uh, guide me? Jeremy right, just commented on uh, Facebook. He said, "Thanks a lot, y'all." Hey, Jeremy, if you have any further questions on that, we can pick them up in one of our subsequent episodes. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get to um, another a question. I'm going to go to um, a friend of mine. Uh, and a member uh, of St. Luke Church. He is um, also a preacher's kid, Alan. So he's right along with you. His name is uh, Joseph Tucker, and this is the question he has. Hey, guys. Big fan of the show, um, even though I do have a couple of episodes to catch up on. Um, I do want to get a question in and just ask what the Wesleyan opinion is of, of the loss of salvation and whether or not, you know, whether or not that's even uh, an ideal that Wesleyans follow, and if so, what what scripture is often used to to reference that argument? So, if y'all have a chance to answer this, I'd love to love to know a little more. Thanks. Hmm. What a great question, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially if uh, this is a question that here in the South, with a lot of uh, kind of Calvinist. Uh, backgrounds uh, in our in our communities um, in the Baptist Church and other and, and Presbyterian churches and 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 other places so uh, uh, w- really good question and uh, actually when we were <laughs> when we were listening to this voicemail earlier uh, uh, this week or earlier today uh, one of the things that it uh, brought up was uh, or that Jim I think Jim was it you that found it for us was West, uh, was Wesley's treatise on this Wesley actually has a a uh, a teaching a very kind of quick teaching on this um, called and I should have had it pulled up but I think it's called on the perseverance of saints um, yeah. and short, short is a generous way to say that <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean he I mean yes so, so that he yeah Wesley actually has a, a on the perseverance of saints um, he also has comments in his journals and in other sermons such as. Um, the call to backsliders. I believe that's the call to the sermon. Yeah. Um, hey, Scott Tucker says, what a great question. Uh, yes, yeah, Scott. <laughs> he did good, didn't he, buddy? Yes, there um, it goes. That's good learning. Yeah, I'll let, uh, Brett, I'll let you carry on. I'll have a, a couple things I'll share from here. The, the short answer to that is uh, Wesleyans and Wesley himself did did say that if you, that followers of Jesus, believers who are, who are um, part of, who are, who are justified in their faith can turn away and walk away from their faith, uh, lose their salvation. It is possible. Part of his thinking on this is um, because he does have a uh, an idea of having a freed will um, uh, that for choosing to follow Jesus is that you don't lose that. Um, and once you become a follower of Jesus, you have the ab- you have the ability to say no even once 
you enter into the household of faith, if you will, and to walk away from that. And he uses quite a few texts. One that I always go to is from Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about if you keep on sinning, then the, then the atonement is basically void. Um, and this is this idea. Uh, and, and, when, and the writer of Hebrews is writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. And so uh, this is not to someone who's kind of a fake believer. This is this idea of fake believer, believer. This is someone who would have been, or a group of people who would have been believers that the writer of Hebrews is speaking to. And so John Wesley talks about that, but he also brings up more uh, text. And um, Jim, I'm just going to turn it over to you on this. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, a couple things I bring up. So um, the only time I really hear this question is when somebody says, hey, you're a pastor. Do you think once saved, always saved? And what I know is it's a litmus test that they're about to try to put me in a box. Yeah. And almost always it's a longer question. My short answer is right along with Brett's, but I, I want to clarify that I lose my keys. You don't lose your faith in the same way that you lose your keys. Right, right. That's One of the right. things that, that is really good to bring up in a conversation like this is, uh, especially, um, and it comes sometimes out of uh, maybe a faulty understanding of a Roman Catholic tradition uh, that is very much in our American culture, that if I, you know, commit a sin and then get hit by a car and I didn't have a chance to confess, then I'm going, uh, not going to heaven because I have committed a sin that I didn't confess. You, you don't lose your salvation like that. That's not the that's not the case. In fact, Wesley would say you can have the assurance of your salvation. Right. The main argument is against what uh, in the uh, confession of Dort, I believe, set out tulip, which is uh, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, uh, irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints is the item that um, this comes up in, saying that uh, God, in His great overpowering sovereignty, his work is so efficacious or effective that it can never be dropped. Once he starts, he stops. And so it seems to be an affront to some people to say that I can choose to walk away from my faith. It seems to uh, put God's power in question. But in fact, you have passages of scripture like Brent mentioned. If you look in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul talks about somebody who has made a shipwreck of their faith. Yeah. You read in Romans chapter 9. Uh, chapter 11, uh, in verse 17 and forward, uh, Paul talks about branches that have been broken off, and you, being the Gentiles, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others. And then uh, down onward in verse 19, you say, so you will say then branches were broken off, so I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Mm. So um, the idea being that, uh, one, if you've said, oh, my goodness, have I lost my faith? Have I lost my salvation? If you're asking the question, the answer is probably no. Mm. <laughs> but remember, Wesley would say uh, that salvation is not just that initial moment of justification in that state. Salvation, in fact, Paul talks about it like this, too, uh, more along the lines of, I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. That salvation includes the whole act of sanctification up through our glorification. And so if we neglect to uh, attend to that God's grace, then we backslide in Wesleyan terms. So can we accidentally lose it? No. Um, you'll probably know. Can people absolutely say, I am done. I've watched people do it. And the scriptures attest to it to. as well. I know, and that's what that's what gets me. It's like we we can draw from our own experience of people who have just turned their backs. 
Yeah, um, and then, but and, then, and, but then, some would say, "Well, then they never had it to be." Well, with. I know. I love what uh, Wesley says at the end of his um, treatise: "Is that if, um, um, in short, they say, meaning Calvinist, others alike, mm-hmm. who believed in once saved, always saves. In short, they say, if you get it, you can't lose it, meaning salvation. If you get it, you can't lose it, and if you lose it, you never had it." Mm-hmm. May God save us from accepting a doctrine that must be defended by such. Fa- Felicious reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in fact, he said, "How can you shipwreck a ship you never had?" Which right. is so a quoting Timothy. Yeah, which is a strong argument. You know, the argument I've always seen on this too that uh, thinks that I think about is you had God chosen God's chosen people who were living by the covenant, but they still broke the covenant. They would yeah. walk away from the covenant, and they were punished for that. Well, and this you know this writing from uh, Wesley is just chock full of <laughs> scripture yeah the very but a lot of where paul is writing to about people who have fallen away yeah and mm-hmm. and we're just gonna say oh they didn't have it to begin with well that's easy right um i think it's a reminder that this is that salvation is a process um going back to sanctification it is a process and we've got to we've got to join in on the process we've got to continue to right to, to uh say yes um you know and so yeah yeah so I love what ultimately it's probably not worth fighting with your friends about, right, Alan? (laughs) What was it you said in our text earlier, Alan? (laughs) (laughs) What did I say? I was giving, I was trying to like give you an on ramp, bro. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just think, I mean, in the end, it is God. This is a God thing. Yeah. This is God's decision in it all. And the result is the same no matter what. We continue to live out our faith. That's exactly. Continue to say yes. No matter which way you fall on this. We continue to, sh- to share the gospel. We continue to live out the gospel. Right. Um, it's, it, I get tired of this argument. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And normally I get it. I, I, normally when it comes to me, it, and I'm and Joseph, I think, is it Joseph that asked? Joseph, yeah, Joseph. I think yeah. I hope that what we've been able to do for you, Joseph, uh, I assume that he's in your small groups in your churches. Yeah, that's okay, right. At, at any rate, I hope that in his his life that he'll have some equipment to help. Um, argue or defend or, or talk to his friends about this. But when this it comes to me in my natural habitat mm-hmm. uh, as a pastor, it normally doesn't come as a good faith question. Right. I think, well, um, I think yeah. we'll put Wesley's uh, treatise in, uh, in the, in the show notes, show notes, show notes. Yeah. Show Joseph, notes. I hope that, I hope that that helps you. Cause um, I really do uh, yeah. to just be assured of your faith and, and be able to share that with Well, and, and Joseph is, a, uh, I will just say this, he, the whole idea of good faith that you were bringing up with that, that would definitely, no, be, he brings know, it up in good faith or that he brings it up in good faith is definitely oh, what's yeah. going on with him. Cause he's surrounded by a lot of Calvinist brothers and sisters who, mm-hmm. uh, in the faith who, uh, I know all the time bring this up around him. And so, well, and that's the yeah. case that we're going to put both of these Wesley documents in the show notes. There you go. Show Perfect. notes. All right, let's go on to Mr. Luke Golden. Oh, Mr. wow. Luke, so Luke. Uh, another super fan of ours. And uh, how do you know how you become a super fan of the podcast? I was just podcast? about to ask, how do you become a super fan um, of the podcast? You leave a comment somewhere. You okay. comment, you, you get commenting in, and then you okay. make a five-star review on okay. iTunes. Uh, it also helps uh, if you send us an encouraging word by email or text. That's exactly right. That's how you become a super that's fan. That's how you get become a super fan. <laughs> All right. beg for comment please please all, all right, right so, let's get, let's get to right. it so luke doesn't leave before we <laughs> all right luke golden here you go 
Oh. Hey everyone, my name is Luke Golden and I'm a first year youth pastor. This podcast has been a tremendous help with how I approach ministry, but also just in my personal walk too. So I really appreciate what y'all are doing. Since y'all just did an episode around the sovereignty of God, God's love, and our free will choice, my question is, can you speak to the tension between human responsibility and unearned forgiveness? As a person who works with younger people, this is something I find to be challenging to navigate. You want them to understand that grace is freely given to them, something they can't earn, and then you're also trying to guide them to, quote-unquote, follow the rules, if you will. Feel free to talk about how this applies to parenting, holding people accountable, you know, adults even, um, any other aspect just so it can apply to more people. All right, thanks. What a great question. Yeah. What Christian belief question. matters, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. Um, I'll, I, you know, I'll start this off. You know, when we talk about grace and God's love, let's just start right there. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards us. Uh, we don't deserve it. We don't earn it. But God loves us. It's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He so loved me. He so loved your youth. He so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That if we would believe in Him then we would have eternal life. So grace is freely given. Grace is, is, is what is given from God to us. It's the breaking through. It's the revelation. It's, it's God's first move towards us. That's grace. That's God's love. That's God's mercy. That's, that's, God's, uh, that's what God is doing. It's and his power first too. And, his power. Pa- and power, right. It's his first move towards us. Now, <clears throat> what ends up happening from there is there are things we have to respond to. How do we respond to God's grace? We talk about this a lot, that I'm a person in need of divine grace because I am a sinner and I'm in need of God's forgiveness in my life. I'm in need of it, and then I also have to accept it. I have to take it and own it, and then I have to live it. I have to, there are things I have to do to, to be obedient to that. We talk about in our communion liturgy, in the United Methodist Church, during our confession of our sins, we'll say, um, and free us for joyful obedience. And the word obedience there is a sense that we have a responsibility to do what we are, we are commanded to do. What is it Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. You will do, you do, you will do what I tell you to do, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Do go love your, love God, do these things. And so, yes, there are things we have to do in response to the free grace that is given to us. That's how I look at this. Yeah, I think, uh, I hope I have the author right. Rex Matthews uh, has a book called Responsible Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, any good gift we steward um, and so something for one, somebody could walk up to you and hand you a present and you could say no, mm. right? You didn't earn the present, but you didn't have to say yes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that let's say you get, uh, a, your spouse or your friend gives you like a price, like a new Apple watch, Alan, um, the new <laughs> iPhone 12 and, uh, but you better take care of that, right? You better be responsible with that. Yes. Like if I give, uh, my children won't have cell phones till they're 48, at least that I don't pay for. But if I did, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they hate me already. Um, if I, if they did and I gave them that gift and I pick up the bill and they've been buying apps, you know, all over the place, they're not being responsible with that. They're not responding well to the gift. Mm-hmm. The other thing to think about Luke is to help them is it's, 
the dichot grace sometimes gets syrupy when we talk about it. Grace mm. is not only mushy, lovey-dovey. Grace is God's first move. Anything that we are able to do, it is by God's first initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and so God gives us the grace, the power as we come into faith to respond, to live the Christian life. And if we root in Christ, like abiding in the vine in John 15, then the sap flows through us that we can begin to bear the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. Mm. Um, so not, so I'd also like to think about it in teaching kids is God is working this out. How can you honor God by receiving and stewarding the grace that he's giving you to live to, um, to kick out the lust or to kick out the anger. And then there are other parts that we just have to say, my sinful nature is messed up. I need your help and I need some discipline to put right. it together. Like for right. example, um, so many people are dealing with pornography addiction. Um, and I, I hope I don't have to convince people how, how damaging that is for your own soul and others. But if you, I need to uh, catch me on Facebook and I'd be glad to talk to you about that. But that's something that requires discipline to get, to get through. But God is giving you the power to do that. Mm -hmm. And also the community of people to assist you and uphold you and challenge you to do mm -hmm. that. So um, I would add that. Yeah, and you know that uh, I, I, 100%. Amen, amen, and amen. Um, I do think it's interesting and helpful too, in a Wesleyan point of view, to understand that from salvation, salvation is given freely to us. It is gr God's grace, but the sanctifying part, the holiness part, is also part of God's grace. We can't do it on our own. I, I've I've often said that to people that um, the reason you fail is because you're trying this by yourself. Yeah, you, You'll always yeah. fail by yourself. But by God's grace, by him walking alongside of us, by him pulling us along, by him um, uh, uh, helping us to strive for what is better, it's by his grace that we're able to do that. He's the transformative power in our lives. And I think it's a uh, I think it's Paul who says this in Philippians uh, chapter 3, where he talks about, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection. Mm. Why does Paul want to know the power of his resurrection? Because that is where life is, right? The only way Paul can live is through the power of God in him. And so I, I think that under, helping people understand they're not doing this alone, uh, the, 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 the Emmanuel promise, God with us, doesn't end when Jesus ascends into heaven. God is still with us in the power and presence of God's Holy Spirit. What you got, Alan? You guys covered it. Um, I think the big thing is that, you know, people uh, find the tension between Paul and James and there is no tension because they're just, they're just focused on different ends of the spectrum. Paul's talking about, you know, salvation and works. And when he talks about works, he's really talking about law most of the time and yep. the Jewish law and so forth. Um, and that there's nothing that you can do. There's no, you know, um, to get, to receive salvation. That's a, again, we've already talked about it. It's a free gift from God. Um, and then James is just talking about the other end of the, the, the spectrum, the sanctification that, that you need to show fruit. You need to, um, uh, you need to show fruit from your salvation. And, and I like what you guys have said. It's, 
instead of focus, we still need God's grace in that mm. sanctification. We yeah. still need God's grace in, in working out our salvation in the works of salvation. Um, it's not just something we start doing on our own now that we've got Jesus. Um, right. We have Jesus. We still need Jesus. We need his grace to keep going and to keep, right. um, to keep bearing fruit. So okay. I, y'all, y'all will be surprised. I still have one more, one more thing to bring up. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's super important. Uh, salvation, the way we say, have you been saved? We usually talk about justification right. in the moment of giving our quote hearts or lives to Jesus. Uh, that's not the end of the game. We've mentioned that before. So keep that in mind. Um, and people are kind of like spiritual babies. They've been born again, right? So right. they need help. But the other thing, if you remember also what Jesus said to the Pharisees, I can't quote it uh, completely off the top of my head, but he said, you guys heap more on people than they're able to bear in terms of the expectations of faithful living when Jesus is calling us to transformed living. So in terms of like a realistic thing, I think that it to keep the balance of um, expectations talk, um, oh, you're saved, good. Now, next thing you got to do is quit this, quit this, quit this, quit this, be this, be that, be that, be that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of harmful um, kind of hard, but to walk with people through the long haul uh, is a big deal. Right. We have been saved, and we are being saved. That's is, right. You know, boom. That's that, and that's the way to think about it. Um, I would also add too to help people understand that it is not a good place to settle for um, to to settle for. Well, I'll just never make it. In other words, oh, I think yeah. in our in our, in our culture we have this idea of. Um, uh, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Mm-hmm. That might be one of the most damaging um, statements to say, because that basically tells us we're just going to give up. Yeah. We're just going to give up. And so there is an expectation yeah. of the better, right? The better. And um, yeah. So I we should uh, take a look, send in the show, uh, take a look for product humans, John Wesley on perfection. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's a, one of his best treatises on perfection. Yeah. I, I completely. Do we agree. have any? We have more, don't we? Oh my goodness. We have. Um. We have one more. One more voicemail. <gasps> one more. On. And then the first ever live cast will be coming to an end. Oh, I love. So it. Uh, let me pull this up here. This is from um, another super fan. Super fan. And, and his name is Jonathan Smith. And Jonathan. Here is his question. Hey, Potakesis crew. My name is Jonathan, first-time caller, long-time listener. And I'm calling in from the Wesley Foundation at Georgia Southern in Statesboro, Georgia. That's the nat capital of America and the home of Georgia Southern University. And I wanted to say thank you for your critical reflections on God's sovereignty and human agency from your last episode. Your podcast has helped me have better language to share with my students as they wrestle with questions of faith, the deep questions of faith. So here's a question for you guys. Who's your favorite wrestler? <laughs> God bless. Y'all have a great day. Oh, that's a great question. Dude. Oh, that is a great <laughs> question. Oh, I love uh, it. I think it's right. awesome. All right. Uh, let's go. We'll start with Alan. Okay. And Jim. Here's and then the I'll deal. probably have the all hour right. long answer. Yeah, on that's all right. So I was really big into wrestling in high school. Uh, not, um, not, uh, school wrestling, but uh, WCW, WWF when it was WWF. Uh, I'm a huge, I was a huge Sting fan, oh. and so I was, I was a Sting fan before. <laughs> I love that song he sang when he was with the police. Yeah, shut it. <laughs> um, so, but I was a real big Sting fan during his emo phase. Um, 
You, yes. you know what I'm talking about? When he was the crow. Year, it was yeah. a year-long stick yep. that they went through um, where he went silent, didn't talk for a year, and he was always in the rafters coming down from the rafters coming out from underneath the cage. He was driving – it was the NWO. He was driving the NWO crazy. <laughs> yep. um, and it was the also, – you, you tuned in every week to see where Sting was and what Sting was going to do. Um, and um, yeah, so I was a huge WCW fan, and the big question: Will he or won't he join the, the NWO? NWO? Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then he went. Then he went red face for a little yeah. while. Oh, too. Wolf Pack. It was yep. all crazy. Yep. Um, wow. I'm not currently into wrestling. <laughs> I don't I'm believe years you. Old, but um, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> well, it's the truth. But I was a huge Sting fan. Huge Sting yeah. fan. Okay, all right. I'm gonna calm down. Okay. <laughs> Oh, is it my turn? Yeah, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, so I love, uh, I'm going to name two. I love Andre the Giant. I watched him when I was a kid all the time, and he was in The Princess Bride, and it was fantastic. Complete opposite of Jim. I love the Andre (laughs) the Giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Except not so much these days. Um, And I also love The Rock, because he was iconic when I was in high school, but the man has made quite the career afterwards. Uh, Worked with one of my favorite dudes on Moana, that movie in Disney. He actually can sing. And uh, I think that he's generally a man of, uh, of good character. So I appreciate like his emerging and evolving career. So I like Andre the Giant and the Rock. Those are good. Those are good. Both of y'all have got good ones, but um, I he am. is better. And yeah, I, wa- I was, and I am a huge professional wrestling fan. I have. <laughs> oh, Brett, I'm sorry. Alan, eat your words. <laughs> I listened to four or five podcasts on professional wrestling already. I don't I mean, listen because I'm 37. And we just lost a bunch of uh, podcasts. Yeah, we did. They're like, what? And yes, I may including or, me. <laughs> and I may or may not subscribe to the WWE Network, but <laughs> I, that's that's for a future debate. But my favorite wrestlers, of course, the the icon himself, Hulk Hogan, uh, he's, he's the one who just made it hey, famous. He blew it up. You know, hey, brother. Yes, that's exactly right. He's the one who blew it up for everybody. I remember being a kid and watching Hogan. <laughs> when the Hulkster walks wild all over you. Oh, I knew he'd take over. We, I knew this is why we tuned in. That's exactly right. Um, but then the WCW phases back uh, in 96, 97, 98, that was just yes. a wild time. was fun. Sting, always loved him. Love Nature Boy Ric Flair. Woo! Just love Nature Boy. Um, Shawn Michaels from the WWE is always it's probably the uh, best wrestler. But Brett, my favorite Brett, they in the, said They said favorite. Is, they said, is he, uh, yeah, are you about to name, like, Basically, it means one. Are you on IMDb right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is me, baby. This reading is me. the cast list? No, this is me. So uh, I uh, that is my guilty pleasure. I love oh, I am a walking all things uh, professional wrestling. So, That's um, awesome. Um, that's I love awesome. it all. So, anyway, uh, thank you, Jonathan, for that intriguing question. And now the world knows too much about me. And, I and most importantly, that. Jonathan, I'm super glad uh, for your passion yeah. for college students. And yeah. it's just an honor to me that we can somehow be a part of helping you be encouraged in that. So, praise yeah. the Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, gentlemen, uh, wow, our first live cast. How that was awesome, awesome. Was that? Yeah, fun. And, yeah, and thank, you, and thank you, Podicumans, for coming and being a part. Yeah, for joining in with us all the way from Italy, international. Yeah, We've had a steady Man. group of people popping on the live stream. We got a lot of uh, user comments, questions. Yeah. It's just been fantastic. I'm gonna barely make it out of the door now that we are in an international <laughs> podcast. My I know it's so right. big. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, we want to thank you all for joining us and uh, yeah. join us. So we're going to put on a new episode not too long from now. We may have a special guest. We do. Um, yeah. You want to tell us about that? Real yeah. Quick we, we we're going to have uh, Dr. David Watson of United Theological Seminary. And Fantastic. He's going to be coming in to, to talk to us about question number 12, where we talk about uh, Adam and Eve and how they were created and what um, uh, and the um, uh, the, all the issues that come up with that. So um, awesome. uh, we're excited about um, uh, Dr. Watson joining us. We're going to be uh, we're going to be releasing that on Monday. A week from Monday. Yeah, week from Monday. That's exactly. This will right. go out in podcast too. So if you have uh, want to yeah. listen to it again later, you didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing. Uh, Allison yeah. just wrote, "You need to do this again soon." Allison, don't worry. We we have plans to not do this all the time, but to do it on an enjoyable enough. Uh, schedule to really keep everybody going. <laughs> it's been fun for us. Absolutely. Well, so uh, thank you everyone for joining in and for joining us on uh, Facebook and on uh, on YouTube. And uh, as always, I, I will say um, I love these two guys. They have been such an incredible co-host with uh, uh, with me, and um, I love the fact that they took on this project. All right, if y'all are going to make fun of me for be for trying to t- tell the world how awesome y'all are, touched my heart. Okay, listen. <laughs> Roll credits. <laughs> Rolling credits. No, we're out. All right, Potty Cubans. We're going to play some music. We're going to get out of here. Y'all have a great day, and we'll see you next time on the Potakesis podcast. Catch us in your feeds Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Potakesis.com. Questions at Potakesis.com. Twitter, Instagram at Potakesis. Five star review. Five star review. Five star review. Five star review. <laughs>